0: You would be enthusiastic about staying at your job if you were really happy. I think that's part of the problem is that we keep doing the same thing.
1: Putting our teammates first, putting our team first as individuals, making sure that we show how caring we are as a a group. We've always had the philosophy that employees should be looking at the culture fit, and we as
0: organizations should look at the culture fit as well. For flexibility, for someone's job, what you are actually saying is, I trust, I value, you, not just as an employee at our company, but you also have value as an individual. Welcome to The Human Factor, where we talk people, culture, and resources for humans. From his new book, Getting Unbusy, to the three different types of trust and isms, I talk with Dr. Garland Vance about all of it. All right. Good morning. I say good morning. It really doesn't matter what time of day it is. Whenever you are <laughs> listening or watching, if you're on YouTube or joining us on podcast, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Cole Evans, your host. Uh, you're in another episode of the Human Factor, and I am really excited, as I am on most episodes, but today we have Dr. Garland Vance with us, Dr. Vance. I am really, really excited that you are on the screen with me.
1: Um, how is the the beginning of your day going so far? Oh, it's it's great. I mean, and it just got better hopping on this Zoom with you, Cole. So I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. If you um,
0: if you are in the HR space and you do not know Dr. Vance, I'm going to ask what how many rocks you live under. Uh, But (laughs) you probably know Dr. Vance from his over 13, pushing 14,000 followers on LinkedIn. His daily, daily beat of really, really great content uh, in uh, if you if you kind of put an umbrella over it in in the sphere of leadership. Um, authored a a book, Getting Unbusy, uh, Five Steps to Kill Busyness and Live with Purpose, Productivity and Peace. And I love that you actually have that uh, directly etched in uh, in wood behind <laughs> you. So, uh, Dr. Vance, thank you so much. Um, tell us, tell our, our audience, whether you're on video or audio, tell us a little bit about what brought you to uh, the stage of your career that you're at now. I, I, when I go through your LinkedIn and I scroll, I see leadership for a long, long time. Right. So tell our wow. audience a little bit about how you got to where you are
1: today. Um, and then I got a handful of other questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so I fell in love with leadership uh when I was in high school. Um my dad uh was fired from a job where he he was working with a terrible pastor. Um and uh, and I just became passionate about leadership because I saw how one person can affect hundreds of people, uh, spent 15 years with Chick-fil-A on their nonprofit side and, uh, and had the opportunity to develop a leadership development program. And so I was leading and training, uh, leaders at the same time, love that spent a couple of years as a leadership development pastor in Houston, Texas. And as I was doing that, I, um, just. Uh, connected with so many business leaders, and they were having all of the same problems uh, that that the church was having, that Chick-fil-A had had. I mean, it was a lot of the same problems. And uh, so in 2017, my wife and I launched our own company. Uh, I finished my doctorate in leadership just a little bit uh, before that. And so have a long lineage of thinking about leaders, working with leaders, and really trying to help leaders live and lead intentionally. I love that. Dr. Brands, tell us a little bit about, uh, congratulations
0: on your doctorate. I know that is no easy feat, but uh, tell our audience a little bit about um, uh, companies that work with you are trying to solve what problem? Are they coming to you because, you know, I I, I won't even list off the litany of reasons. What, if you had to put a dot on it, what's the, what's
1: the, what's the big challenge? Yeah, I would say 2% of uh, organizations are coming because of, what they would say leadership development problems, or we need, you know, more 2%, users. 2%, very small percent actually come for that problem. Most of them come because they're having challenges with retention, they're having challenges with uh, engagement, and they're having challenges with culture. And all of those come down to leadership issues. And so the way that I like to say it is most. Uh, most organizations come to us and they'll say something like our, uh, you know, the whites of our eyes are turning yellow um, and, you know, we need to get our eyes fixed and I'll be able to look at them and say, well, actually that's a liver problem, right? That's, that's not that the (laughs) the whites of your eyes aren't discolored. You're, you've got a liver problem. Most organizations come and they're talking about small problems like retention and engagement. Those are actually symptoms of a much deeper issue that you need to develop your leaders, both the quantity and the quality.
0: It, it's interesting. I, I actually have that written down here from one of your other pieces of content Focus on symptoms, not the problem. Would you say overwhelmingly that is what um, people that come to you, that's overwhelmingly their issue? They're trying to address a symptom. It's kind of like healthcare, right? Yeah. They're trying to
1: address a symptom versus actually uh, addressing the cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unless they've spent a whole lot of time around me or around other leadership thinkers. And they already have a bent toward leadership development as you know as as a core challenge. I think most people come with very different, uh, very different description of what they think they need versus what they actually need. So I know that
0: um, uh, you were speaking at the annual Sherm conference in the great state of Tennessee. Uh, I know that our clinical psychologist, Dr. Margarita Raphael, was speaking there as well. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about what I found going to Sherm conferences: is that you can be beside a person that just got a certification that works at a small mom and pop irrelevant, relevant, but they're just getting started in their career. And then you can be beside Bank of America. Right. right. So tell me <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you uh, were able to talk about in your presentation at the annual Sherm conference and um, and
1: why you chose that topic. Yeah, so we talked about how to win the war for uh, retention and engagement. And and of course, we know all of these stats of 4 million people per month have left their job in 2022, Um, how much it costs to replace an an employee who quits of one and a half to two times their salary. Um, And so I talked about that uh, retention and engagement, again, it's a symptom. It's not the actual problem. And the actual problem there is leaders. And we talked about four strategies that leaders need to use to win the war for retention and engagement. And it comes down to clarity, community, culture, and then developing more leaders as well. I didn't have a good C for that fourth one, but clarity, community, culture, and developing more leaders.
0: Do you find, I'm going to paint a broad brush in saying this, uh, and I'm going to back it up with a little bit of a stat here. Do you believe that most leaders today are leaders?
1: Oh, man. Well, in order to answer that question, you really have to define what leadership is, which is actually one of the mistakes I think a lot of businesses make. So so we define leaders at, at our company. We define leaders as People who have a clear vision of where they're going, they're getting others aligned to that, and then they're mobilizing others to execute on that vision. So it's vision, alignment, execution. It's all focused on the future. I don't think most companies are uh, have an understanding of leaders as being future focused and then guiding people toward that and and executing. They almost kind of think of leaders as, you know, just wrangle the cats, just, you know, do whatever you can to to make it to the end of this quarter and make profit this quarter, as opposed to really thinking in terms of the higher our leaders go, the further out they need to be thinking.
0: It's interesting. That's a very good point. I, uh, we were literally just having this conversation the other day with one of our partners uh in uh the recognition space and we had a a big conversation around leaders and you know what percent of people um there are are in leaders or managerial roles now where they're over teams or they're being expected all of the sudden because they were the person in line that person left or or got fired whatever they moved up now all of a sudden they're a leader right and so it's a it's a, a point of conversation for sure. I, I love the, your four points on clarity, community, culture, and leadership. Obviously, we love all things uh, culture, but I will tell you clarity really stood out to me because um, I'm, I'm in the weeds on this very deep uh, trend report, Microsoft's new trend report. And for all of the people in the world that use Microsoft um, uh, you know, s- systems, they're measuring, obviously, all of that and then reporting it on the back end, and they go to show how many um, Uh, double booked appointments there are now, how many requests there are now. And, you know, Mm. they really kind of break that down. One thing that really stood out to me is the following, and and this is about hybrid or remote work. And it was uh, 87% of workers that were asked felt that they were being productive at work. Now this is in a remote or hybrid environment, right? They felt that way working from home. The invert of that is 12% of their leaders Believed that they were being productive, wow. and so you know we have um, we have these three main points on our wall here at the office, which are trust, challenge, and win. And you know I, I bring that back up on a regular basis in conversations like this because I find, and, and if I'm throwing a dart, that trust if you can't if you can't really underscore that word you can't really look at your team or teams and say i really trust then it really the domino effect of all negative things that really come after it right every every all, right the the colors really show the numbers show the production etc what would you say about that uh,
1: yeah so i would totally agree uh the the part of talking about community is really about trust what we've seen is that there's three kinds of trust that leaders have to have, and they actually give this trust before they get the trust, right? Uh, it's it's a, a different thinking than most leaders. You think, oh, somebody needs to earn my trust. No, 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 you give it to get it. But there's three types of trust. The first is what we'll call relational trust. And that just means that I know you as a person. If I'm working with you, I know your name. I know your birthday. Uh, I know who's important in your life. I know your hobbies. I I know you as a person. Uh, if you go on vacation, I'm going to ask about the specifics of the vacation. Sure. The higher you go in leadership, the more that we're filled, you know, the, those ranks tend to be filled with very task oriented people, which I am one. I love task oriented people, but very often task oriented people overlook the relational trust they need to build. A uh, second type of trust that uh, leaders have to build is integrity trust. And that means I trust that you're going to do the right thing. I trust that you're going to keep your word and uh, that if I give you resources toward a project, that you're going to steward those resources well. So this is the type of trust that's really coming through on that Microsoft report is people are saying, I don't know that I have integrity trust that a person is doing what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. The final type of trust is skill trust and skill trust says i trust that you have the abilities to do your job with excellence and i trust you have the ability to learn new skills to help get better at your current job or your future uh, role that you're going to have leaders have to have all three and and what we found is when when a leader thinks that they're not trusting one of their people the first question is what type of trust Uh, is low, right? So if I don't trust you and I don't trust integrity, right? So, So I have to figure out what I'm low in. And then leaders have to begin asking the question, how can I establish trust with this person, right? So if I don't trust that you're doing your job, that's an integrity trust issue. But now the question is, okay, how do I clarify what I expect so that I can increase integrity, trust. Have I put that person in a position where I'm able to develop trust in them? Do I need to talk with this person about that? So it's on the leader to develop the trust, not just to sit back and wait You know, for, for other people to earn it.
0: It's interesting. I I'm thinking uh immediately of a TED talk I watched a couple of days ago um and another conversation I've had even in the last month around humor in the workplace. I'm sure you've heard some other speakers talk about this in your circuits as well, but when uh when it works and when it doesn't. And one of the things uh to your point of uh giving trust before you get it is uh the the two uh women on the TED talk were talking about um uh, just the vulnerability of laughter. And if, if, if given and received in the right way, it opens up this unspoken trust to this person mm. that you really don't have any, you don't know yet. You just know, uh, and, and I won't go into, to quote their Ted talk, but, uh, I really like that giving trust before you get it relational integrity and skill trust. I really like how that's broken down like that. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about, and then I'm going to uh, let you go on, um, Let's talk about the book Getting Unbusy. You've got a lot of really great people at the beginning of here uh, writing a lot of really great things about you. Um, You can check out any way to connect with Dr. Vance, obviously grabbing a copy of his book on Amazon. All the links to connect with Dr. Vance are going to be, whether you're on YouTube or podcast, in uh, the copy below in the show notes. Uh, Tell us a little bit about um, The Five Steps of Killing Busyness. I love this. Tell us about, um, I always ask everyone your
1: process of writing the book. Was this your first book? This was, yeah, first book, first book, uh, painful process. Um, uh, I'll tell you, you're in the majority of the answer. Most people don't right. say it's a cakewalk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I did my doctoral research on this topic. So I had sure. tons of of research, but it was very academic, very dry. And we wanted to to turn it into something uh, much more usable and packageable. Um, and so my when I say we, I'm talking my wife was my main editor and she was uh, with me. We edited uh, nine different times. And, um, and, uh, for me, the hardest part of this book was I had a deadline for writing it and getting it to the publisher. And in the midst of that, uh, our family decided to leave Texas and move to Tennessee. And so we had a really hard decision. Do we postpone the publishing of it oh, in yeah. order to stay true to the message of getting unbusy and make time for this new move and all the transitions that come with that? And so ultimately that's exactly what we decided to do was to put the book on hold for nine months. Um, and ultimately I think it, it made it better, but it was very, very painful for those nine months, the feeling like you had this baby that you were ready to birth and it was just holding off, uh, holding off on it. But, um, I'm I'm super excited by the, the work of it. Um, at the end of the day, what we've seen is leaders and teams are talking about how stressed out they are, how overwhelmed they are. Again, and those are symptoms. Um, And then when we dig into it, what we're finding is that they're stressed and overwhelmed because of how busy and overcommitted they are. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we brag about it all the time, right? You ask somebody how they're doing and they tell you, I'm good. I'm just really busy. Mm -hmm. And it's the equivalent of somebody saying, um, you know, I'm really upset because I have lung cancer, but I'm proud because I smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. Right? It mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense. Right. And so, uh, so the book is written to help people in 30 days go through a process to stress less and actually accomplish more.
0: I'll tell you, I'm just getting started on it. I really, really enjoy it. I, while it's across the room, and I'm not going to uh, mess up our visual here, uh, I did show with Dr., uh, share with Dr. Vance before we clicked our recording button here. Um, right now, on the other side of this wall, we have our whole team. They're in for a big meeting. Uh, there's about 20 of us here, and we have 20 copies of your book. Um, and we will be distributing those uh, mental global mental health day is October the 10th. I know that this uh, episode is going to post in the beginning of November, but we're focused a lot of our efforts, <clears throat> excuse me, in the month of October around mental health. Uh, and your book was uh, an immediate go to. And uh, awesome. we got them and it's we literally hand them out after lunch today. So the timing of this is really, really great. You you talk about. um a term that has really stood out to me um, that I've read in some of the the most recent research pieces that have come out of productivity paranoia, right? So there's almost this other side of the dance of people, uh, just like you said. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. You know, I'm just really busy. And yeah. it's now aside from just saying that, it's it's almost trying to prove it to the point of i've got to prove enough or or my boss or the people around me are not going to think i'm doing enough so uh i i do believe that you're waiting 9 months uh, <laughs> uh met the market at even more of a point than it was already so uh, i'm going to ask you a last question here how does dr vance describe workplace culture
1: yeah so i so uh, that's a that's a fun question uh let me give two parts to that answer okay so I think there are three different types of culture in any organism. You can have a toxic culture, a bad culture, or a good culture. So a toxic culture means that you allow or even encourage dehumanizing behavior. Um, uh, racism, sexism, ageism. It, if it ends in ism, it's probably uh, you know toxic. <laughs> uh, a, ba- <laughs> a, a bad culture, though, uh, most of the time what happens is Leaders unintentionally create a culture and an unintentional culture always moves toward bad culture. A bad culture simply means that the values of your organization don't turn into behaviors within the organization. And so a good culture is one that says, here are our values and here are the behaviors that we have that align with those. So, you know, I spent years with with Chick-fil-A. Their first core value is service and you see that in the behaviors of saying my pleasure or in the ways that they've created multiple drive-through lines so that people can get through at a faster pace and the just the the friendliness. But you can also look at other organizations like the Seattle Seahawks that have competition is one of their Values and so they create everything around competition. Every game they play is a competitive game. If if you try to do that in another organization, it would it would be a bad culture, right? It would be like, well, everything's competitive, but they need that in their culture, and so it's true to to who they they want to be. So that's how I define workplace culture: is when the values are driving the behaviors.
0: I really really appreciate that uh, focusing on the symptoms, not the problem uh i really like i'm probably going to take it and i'll uh, give you credit for it but if it ends in an ism it's probably bad that's so so <laughs> true uh clarity community culture and leadership if you would like to grab a copy of dr uh, vance's book getting unbusy five steps to kill busyness and live with Pur- purpose productivity and peace just like his sign behind his head uh look at the show notes below grab a copy Um, again, if you, um, have not, please do hit subscribe, whether you're on a podcast or that channel or this channel, uh, (laughs) click the magic button, and then please do leave us a comment. Those two uh, very easy things open the podcast up to so many more people. Dr. Vance, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I, I will be following up with you with some notes from our team on how we enjoyed the book going through it over the next few weeks. And, um, I really just appreciate your time. Thank you again. Thanks so much, Cole. Appreciate it. Awesome.